Hey, you spooky good humans. Welcome back to Murdered and Missing. I'm your host, Nicole, and today's story is out of Ware County, Georgia. However, our story doesn't start there. It just ends there. This is the story of the Christmas doe who was found on December 21st, 1988, on the side of the road in Millwood, Georgia. Not much is known about the young girl who was found, not even her name, but some believe that she may be Janine Camille Barnwell, Kimberly Boyd, Benita Sanders, or maybe even Tanisha Watkins. Now, before I get started, I do want to give a blanket trigger warning because some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today may be upsetting to some of our listeners. So, Let's buckle up and dive in to the story of the Christmas Doe. On December 21st, 1988, a truck driver had pulled over to the side of the road around 12 p.m. because he needed to relieve himself. He found some woods nearby the road and he entered the woods. And as he entered into this wooden area, um, he came across an old TV cabinet that was laying on the ground. And curious as to why there was a TV cabinet in the middle of the woods, he approached it. Every true crime fanatic out there is probably like, sir, back away from the TV cabinet. Please do not touch it. Immediately alert authorities. You're in the middle of the woods. This should not be there, but this was not the case. So he walks up to the TV cabinet and he kicks it. And after he kicked it, it broke open. And inside that cabinet was a metal suitcase. This metal suitcase was wrapped in duct tape and placed within a plastic sheet. So it was TV cabinet, plastic sheet, duct tape, suitcase, okay? And at this point, I feel like anybody now that would have found something like this, we're immediately calling 911 and we're like, hey, suspicious package over here, you know. That's not what happened here. So the driver presses on and he opens the plastic, opens the duct tape, and then finally gets to the suitcase itself. And inside the suitcase was the body of a young child who was wrapped in a brown baby blanket inside of a gym bag, and that gym bag was then encased in cement. It was at this point that the driver phoned the police, and once on scene, they blocked off the area, which was located off of Georgia State Route 82 near the Duncan Bridge Road and Forks Road. The child was then taken to the medical examiner's office. It was determined that she was killed roughly one to two months before her body was found. However, some sources note that she may have been dead for upwards of four months prior to being found. This, however, is just an estimate because of the level of decomposition of the body. It made it very difficult for the ME to determine just how long she had been in the suitcase and what her official cause of death was. It is also unknown if the child was was alive when she was placed into the suitcase. The autopsy report does also notate that the child appeared to be healthy at the time of her death and there were no obvious signs of abuse present. She was described as an African-American child standing two foot eight, 
to three foot one inches tall. She weighed roughly between 23 and 21 pounds, and she was somewhere between the ages of two and four years old. She did have a slight gap between her two front teeth. She had her curly black hair pulled into ponytails with little bows. Her ears were pierced, but at the time that she was found, she was not wearing any earrings. She was found wearing a white knit shirt with a red pony on it, white thermal pajama pants, and she did have on a diaper. During the initial stages of the investigation, nobody came forward to claim her, to say that they knew her, they knew who she was, they knew who her parents were, or even where she came from. Investigators went door to door to ask residents if they knew who she was or if she was even from the area. This turned up no leads and investigators then went nationwide and they began checking missing child reports to see if there were any reports from anywhere in the country that they were able to match to this child. No one knew who she was or where she came from. It's been 35, excuse me, 34 years. It'll be 35 years this December that she has been found and that we still don't know her name. What we do know is that the person or persons who dumped her there knew that this site was an illegal dumping ground and they hoped that no one would ever find her. But what this coward didn't account for was the curiosity of a truck driver needing to pee and the fact that DNA evidence has advanced so far and police do have her DNA on file and it is available for comparison. So what that means is that if you remember back in December, Joseph Zarelli, his DNA was finally linked to his family and his family has gone to a rededication ceremony. His name is now on his headstone. For 65 years, Joseph was known simply as the boy in the box. Nobody knew his name. 65 years. It's been almost 35 years that we don't know her name, but her DNA is on file. Her DNA is available for comparison. So that means that somehow, some way, DNA will eventually be linked back to you. And if you are in the Georgia area and you think that you recognize her, because I will be posting photos of her on Instagram, or you have a family member who happens to be looking over your shoulder when you're scrolling Instagram and is like, oh, I recognize that little girl, submit your DNA. Have your friends submit their DNA. Have their family members submit DNA. Because all it takes is one person who's like, this person, this child looks like somebody in my family. Submit your DNA and they are able to then link it to her and say, hey, this is your niece, your sister, your cousin, your aunt, somebody. She is somebody's child. Let's find her name. Let's give her back her name. I don't want to see it be another 35 years or 30 years or even another year until she gets her name back. Some people refer to her as, simply as Jane Doe. Some refer to her more commonly as the Christmas Doe because she was found so close to Christmas in 1988. Unfortunately, 
that is all of the information that I was able to find regarding the Christmas dough. How she was found, what she was wearing, what she looked like, and when she was found. There is not much movement in her case, but it doesn't surprise me because it's the GBI and I have personal opinions on the GBI, but that is neither here nor there and we are not going to discuss those on this podcast. I simply just want to tell her story. Now, I know in the beginning of the episode I mentioned Janine Barnwell, Kimberly Boyd, Benita Sanders, and Tanisha Watkins. And we're going to talk about how those four names possibly relate to this story. Janine Camille Barnwell was born on December 3rd, 1981, making her three years old when she was last seen by her mom on Wakefield Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on November 15th, 1985. And for some unknown reasons, police suspect that there was a delay in reporting Janine missing. Law enforcement believed that she was actually missing prior to November 15th. It's unclear how long, but they believe that there is foul play and that it was probably at least a day that Janine was missing before she was reported missing. Now, her disappearance has left authorities puzzled, to say the least, and it's left me puzzled. I have spent hours trying to gather more information on Janine's case, on Kimberly's case, on the Christmas Doe case, on Benita Sanders and Tanisha Watkins, and there is not much out there. There's no news articles, there's no journal reports, no Crime Watch Daily, no podcast episodes. There's hardly any information, but a couple blurbs on some, you know, news reports and there is NamUs and the Charlie Project and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That's roughly it that I could find. Um, And it, it, it kind of seems like she just didn't exist. Like, it's it's so sad to say that, but there, there's no interviews with her mom. There's no interviews with family members. There's no, like, talk with her mom about where she was. Like, even what her mom reported to police surrounding her whereabouts is inconsistent at best. Some, there are some stories that her mom told that Janine was at a park. There are some reports that uh, Janine was at school. There was another story that her mom told that Janine was actually out front of the house and that she was taken. There's another story that her mom told that she was with friends or other family members when she went missing. So it's, it's mind boggling and I I don't want to speak ill of her mom because I don't know the circumstances that her mom was in and I don't know the circumstances that Janine was in when she went missing. All I can report is that her stories were not consistent and they were very flippant and there isn't 
much in the way of reporting. Even family members of Janine were unable to tell authorities what she was even wearing when she went missing. What they do tell authorities is that she's three years old, she's roughly four feet tall, and she weighed about 55 pounds. She had brown hair, brown eyes, and her hair was typically styled into pigtails. So Janine was taller and older and weighed more than the Christmas dough, but when you Google Janine Barnwell or when you Google the Christmas dough, these two stories kind of, um, they they kind of line up. And I don't want to say that Janine is the Christmas dough because it's not proven and I don't know. Like I said, she's taller, she's older, and she weighed more. So I don't, I don't think it's Janine because Janine went missing three years before the Christmas dough was found. So that would have made Janine about seven. So she would have been three years older than the estimated age of the baby that was found. So I don't know. Um, that's really all the information I have on Janine's disappearance. And I do ask that if you, if you know anything about Janine's disappearance, if you're from Philly and you heard about this, um, you're encouraged to call the Philadelphia Police Department at 215-686-3093. I hate that it's, I have two paragraphs on who Janine was and I hate that I can't tell you what she was wearing when she went missing. I hate that I can't tell you um, when she went missing because nobody knows. Back on September 29th of 2022, I posted a little have you seen me about her. Um, and that's really all of the information that I reiterated here in this episode today. Um, I will repost photos of her. Um, so that you guys can take a look at her. And the next little girl that I want to talk about that is missing is Kimberly Boyd. Kimberly Boyd, who went missing on April 3rd, 1987, along with her mother, Sarah, and her mother's friend, Linda, was rumored to possibly be the Christmas doe. Kimberly is described as an African-American child two, who is two years old. She's standing at three foot four inches tall and weighed roughly 25 pounds at the time of her disappearance. Sarah, Kimberly, and Linda were driving through Dorchester County, South Carolina, heading to their homes in Orangeburg, South Carolina, when they disappeared. There is a witness in um, Kimberly's case that saw a blue Lincoln driving along Route 15 at 30 to 45 miles an hour and there was another car that was trailing behind this blue Lincoln. However, that witness was unable to describe the second vehicle or who was driving that vehicle or who was even in that vehicle. Now, the car that Sarah was operating that contained her, 
um, Linda and Kimberly was found abandoned on the side of Highway 15 and um, Highway 176. So it was kind of at an intersection and it was actually found two days after the trio went missing. Um, it seems that like a freeze plug had blown out and the engine overheated. So it's suspected that this caused the females to, you know, pull over and try and get some help. Now, what happened between then and when the car was found is unknown. Kimberly's um, abduction is classified as a non-family abduction, and both Sarah and Linda are listed as endangered missing. Like I said earlier, Kimberly has been ruled out as the possible Christmas doe, but Kimberly, Sarah, and Linda are all still missing. In 1990, so three years after Sarah went missing, her credit card was actually used in a local mall. Police stated um, that the signature that was um, signed for this credit card was barely legible, and it did not match Sarah's writing at all. The person who used the credit card, though, has never um, been identified, and foul play is suspected in all three women's disappearance. Sarah's husband, Philip Boyd, was um, ruled out as a suspect in his daughter and wife's disappearance because he was at work when the women went missing. And if you guys have any information regarding the disappearance of Kimberly or Sarah or Linda, you're encouraged to call the Orangeburg, South Carolina um, Sheriff's Office and they can be reached at 843-832-0300. Another missing child that I want to talk about who was theorized to possibly have been the Christmas doe is Benita Karen Sanders. And she went missing on September 14th, 1986. She was just three days shy of her second birthday when she went missing. Benita is also described as an African-American female standing at two foot six inches tall and weighing 30 pounds when she went missing. She was last seen in her stroller around 7 p.m on her porch enjoying a popsicle tucked into her stroller on out front of her mother's home in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Now, Benita's mom said that she was inside cooking dinner and that her older siblings were nearby playing. So she probably didn't think much of it. It's 1986, she's out on the porch, you know, it's late summer. They're just kids having a good time. Now, she says that when she went to check on her and peek out onto the porch to see how she was doing and how the popsicle was coming, she noticed that her stroller was actually empty. Her mother then reported that she had searched for her, but she was unable to find her. She then notified police an hour and a half later at 8.30 p.m. Like with Janine and with Kimberly and the Christmas doe, there isn't much information on Benita Sanders and the investigation surrounding her disappearance. What is known is that police initially suspected her father, but he was quickly ruled out 
because he was in prison uh, when Benita went missing. But that doesn't mean that he didn't try and have somebody kidnap her, but he was actually trying to get custody of her. So I don't, I don't think he's the person responsible for Benita's disappearance. Now, um, shortly after Benita was born, her mother allegedly abandoned her, but was able to regain custody of her. And then sometime after she disappeared, her mother allegedly abandons another baby, this time a boy. Um, now her mother does lie to the child's father that, and told him that she had gotten an abortion and that she was no longer going to have this baby. That was not true. So we now see that the mom has a pattern of lying and a pattern of abandoning her kids. Not saying her mom is the cause. I'm just saying that there is a pattern. Now, in January of 1987, Mrs. Saunders is actually going to be sentenced to nine months in jail for endangering the welfare of Benita and her three other children. Um, now, those children who were still in the home after Benita disappeared were then placed into foster care homes. And at the time of Benita's disappearance, like I said earlier, her father was seeking custody. And like Kimberly Boyd, Benita is eventually ruled out as the Christmas doe. But like Kimberly, I'm unable to find out how police were able to rule her out. But um, it's still possible that, you know, she could be her if there is no DNA evidence to suggest that it's not her. But... Um, we've seen it in the, in Joseph Zarelli's case where police have DNA and they have the names of the family and they're just not releasing it because they don't want to show their hand almost, you know, like they want to keep it close to the chest and don't want to let family or whomever they think is responsible for Benita's disappearance know like hey we know it's not her but we know you know where she is or we know xyz I don't know it's just speculation at this point I know you're probably wondering like why am I including these two children if we know that they're not the Christmas Joe I'm including them because there are two paragraphs of information surrounding their disappearance they are two and three and four and our next one is barely two so it's like it's not fair that these babies are missing and that nobody is reporting about them nobody is getting their name out there and that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to get their name out there I'm trying to get Christmas Dove's name back and that's why I ask that if you have any information on where Benita is or where she went or who took her or anything, you're encouraged to call the Atlantic City Prosecutor's Office at 609-645-7700. There are two more missing children that I want to talk about. Neither of these missing children have been ruled out as being the Christmas Doe. So there is a possibility that one of these 
two girls could potentially be the Christmas doe. So if you have any information on either one of these cases, please call the numbers that I will give you. So Tanisha Watkins is a two-year-old missing child from Austin, Texas, who has been missing since January 5th of 1984. Tanisha was last seen by her mother outside of her home playing on a swing set around 1.30 p.m. Her mother was inside sweeping a rug when um, Tanisha went missing. Her mom had checked back out again to see how Tanisha was getting along and realized that she was gone. She then went over to a neighbor to use the phone because there was no phone in her mom's house at this time. Um, and that neighbor and her mother searched for two hours before alerting the police. Foul play is also suspected in Tanisha's dis disappearance. Excuse me. She is described as an African-American female who had her hair braided into pigtails. She was three feet tall and weighed 42 pounds when she disappeared. She was last seen wearing a white pullover, short sleeve shirt, red sweatpants, and white tennis shoes with Velcro straps. If you have any information on where Tanisha is, you're encouraged to call the Austin Police Department at 512-975-0916. And the last one that I want to talk about is Pamela Mayfield. Pamela was five years old when she went missing in January of 1985. She was last seen with her older brother, Michael, who were both in kindergarten. Michael should have been in first grade, but he was repeating, and this was Pamela's first year in school. And they were walking home from their elementary school um, in Northeast Houston. And witnesses that actually reported seeing Pamela and her brother Michael getting into a green car with an unidentified man. Both children never arrived home and neither have been seen or heard from again. In May of 1985, so just a few months later, a phone call came into the Houston Police Department to report that the children were actually living with relatives in Los Angeles, California, and they needed worry. They said that they were fine. Don't worry about it. You know, they were, they were living a good life. Now, family members reported that they did have family that lived in LA. They knew, um, that there had, there was multiple relatives there and they reached out to these relatives and was like, Hey, do any of you have Pamela or Michael? and none of the LA relatives had the children with them. The caller remains unidentified and the children's case remains unsolved. Pamela is described as an African-American female, two feet, nine inches tall and weighing 55 pounds. Her ears are pierced, but there is no information on what she was wearing or how, excuse me, how her hair was styled at the time of her disappearance. Michael Mayfield, who was with his sister Pamela at the time of their disappearance, was six years old. He was three feet tall and weighed 75 pounds. He's described as an African-American male with black hair and brown eyes. It's been reported that Michael did stutter at the time of his disappearance, and he does have a burn scar on his right wrist. It is possible that if Michael is still alive today, he may be using the last name Gant, which happened to be his father's surname. If you or anyone you know happens to have any information regarding Pamela or her brother Michael's whereabouts, you're encouraged to call the Houston Police Department at 832-394-1872.
Now I want to talk about some leads in the Christmas dough case. When she was found, she was found in a TV console with a copy of the Albany Herald next to her. And in 2009, 21 years later, the GBI actually received a tip that connected the TV console that she was found in to Albany. Um, now, this could be why the Albany Herald was found next to the TV console. And this connection led police to believe that she may have possibly lived in Albany, Georgia before she died. So they worked with a local TV network to put together a broadcast to get some information back out into the public to see if they could generate any new tips or any new leads or anything like that. But their efforts weren't successful and no tips were called in. Now, it's unclear if the um, Albany Herald was the reason why they connected the TV console to Albany or if this tip was um, something else. Again, this tip is not been made known to the public. So I, we're just speculating at this point. Um, I don't know if this Albany Herald was even related to her murder. It could possibly be a red herring or because the spot that she was found in was a known illegal dumping ground. So it could have possibly just been trash that was tossed out there and not have anything to do with the case at all. And that the tip was, you know, just a wild goose chase. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, again, was digging and digging and digging, trying to find something regarding this tip or anything like that. And it's, it's rough. I mean, there's, there's nothing report like reporting wise. And it's, it's so frustrating because I don't, I don't understand how we can have some missing children like Madeline McCann get international headlines and news, but when the body of a th two to four, possibly three-year-old child is found, um, there's, there's nothing. I think we know why there's nothing in regards and we see it time and time again. Um, Again, I'm not here to state my opinions. I'm going to try and stick to the facts. But this case and Pamela's case and Tanisha and Kimberly and Benita, their cases have left me fuming because there is no, there's, there's, there's nothing you know, it, it almost seems like the police aren't trying to find answers, but I don't know because I'm not behind the scenes. So they may be, I, I don't know. So let's talk about the second tip that came in. And this actually came in a year later in 2010 and GBI agent Russell Mansfield said that, um, this tip, tip actually came through their website um, and it was anonymous and that they said that the Christmas Doe's name was actually Bridget and she and her family had actually lived in Tifton, Georgia. And that is all the information that I could find on that tip as well. I feel like I have just been like, hey, here's, um, here's some information, but I'm not going to give you all of the information. 
and that is that's got to be frustrating for you guys because it's frustrating for me because again Christmas Joe's case has gone cold it is like ice cold I've said it before that it only takes one person to call in and say I know what happened to Tanisha or Benita or Kimberly or Pamela and Michael or Janine or the Christmas Joe to call in and say I know where they're at I was there I seen something to thaw one of these cases off and that's what I'm hoping and that's what De Detective Heron has said you know he said quote you couldn't get no better time than now that could really happen it really could and what I think he means by that is that we could potentially get answers on who Christmas Doe is with the advances of DNA it's only a matter of time until she gets her name back Joseph got his name back after 65 years she will get her name back I I know it there's DNA evidence in her case. They have her DNA. So, and according to the Doe Network, it's possible that DNA can actually help investigators find out who she is. So, we've seen it in Joseph D'Angelo's case, right? If you're familiar with that case, he's the Golden State Killer. His DNA was on file, but they, they didn't know who that DNA belonged to. But somebody in Joseph's family submitted their DNA to something, somewhere, and they were able to circle it back to Joseph and say, you are related to the killer. They got a warrant, they got Joseph's DNA, and they matched it to all the Golden State Killers killings. Police will find you. Have I, I am going to say that I have no doubt we will find out who they are. And like I did for Joseph's case, I'm going to set a Google alert. And I'm every time something pops up with this case or Kimberly's case or Benita or Tanisha or Pamela and Michael or Janine's case, I am going to let you guys know because I know that my listeners are going to be just as invested in these cases as I am. And one thing before I, I sign off, I just want to say if you have any information that could help authorities give Christmas Doe her name back, please call the GBI case agent Dale Wiley. He can be reached at 912-389-4103. You can also go to their website at www.gbi.georgia.gov and you could submit an anonymous tip. That's how that tip in 2010 came about. You can actually also call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-843-5678 or you can also call 1-800-THE-LOST. Any information any information is is going to be so helpful and in the case of the christmas tale authorities are actually offering a five thousand dollar reward leading to her name so if you know her name at this point collect that five thousand dollars and lead authorities to who killed her because somebody knows her name you, you don't just have a child and then you don't just allow your child to go missing and then just be like, mm, I'm not going to say anything. It, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. And I know 
most of the time I don't I don't like posting about the reward money because I feel like that is just going to lead to jack wagons because I'm trying not to curse on the podcast y'all jack wagons calling in and being like I know who so and so is like no you don't you just want the money no you don't go away so if you're gonna be like one of those people don't do it don't call because don't don't be that guy y'all don't be that guy do you hear that in the background that's that's my producer yelling he's saying yeah don't be that guy and if you follow me on instagram you know who i'm talking about okay that is all i have to say stay spooky be a good human and i'll catch you next week